I was battling last night. Uh, I was up all night coughing. And uh, I felt like it was an attack of the enemy simply because as I sought the Lord for the message today, he brought me back to a message that I had worked on some weeks ago. In fact, it was almost finished. And the Lord told me just to lay it aside. It's not the first time that he's done that. Because it probably, it wasn't the message for that Sunday. It's not about preaching messages. It's about what needs to be preached on the day that you're going to preach it. There's plenty of sermons. I've been preaching for 40 years. I can preach many. But it doesn't matter. It's what we really need to hear today. So, this past presidential election, it seemed like the hope of the Christian community was shattered. And uh, because if we really voted our Christian convictions, we didn't vote for the leadership that we have right now. Because the God we serve doesn't condone the killing of babies in the womb by abortion. The God we serve doesn't do that, doesn't want that. And uh, neither does he condone homosexuality and marriage other than a man and a woman. He doesn't recognize any of that either. And we didn't vote for the many other things that contradict our Christian morals and belief. So the church as a whole has taken a hit as far as our government is concerned. But how many know our, our hope is not in our government? Our hope is in the God we serve. The hope we had in our government seems to be fading. On the top of all that, we're still facing COVID-19, which doesn't look like it's going to be getting better any soon. So the government took advantage of the virus and he tried to put a stranglehold on the church. If you can remember, they were saying that the church wasn't an essential gathering. Well, I want to tell you something. There is no greater essential gathering on the face of the earth than when the church meets, which is the body of Christ. There's no more important gathering on the face of the earth than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ coming together to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, what posture or position should we be taking as Christians in this kind of environment that we find ourselves in? What is our attitude? What is our mindset? What should we embrace now to go on from here? Well, the commission to win souls here, make disciples of all nations, what we have posted here, doesn't change. No matter what goes on in our environment, what goes on in our country, what goes on in our government, that remains the same because God remains the same. And so it doesn't change. The command he gives us as a Christian to live a holy life and be a witness to the world that's lost and dying has not changed. Especially when things in the world seem to be getting worse as time goes on. It looks like the world is not getting better. 
the world believes in evolution, that man is getting better and one day he's going to reach some perfection. That's a lie. It's not getting better. He's getting worse. And uh, now Jesus gives the church a more descriptive vision of Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is our theme for this church. This is what we are commissioned to do. And that's what is the basis of what we do here. We're going to win souls and make disciples. Jesus gave us that in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. But he gives us a little more descriptive command in Mark chapter 16, in verse 15 to 18. He said this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation." Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Jesus said these signs are going to accompany those who believe. The King James Version, it says these signs will follow them that believe. And uh, so it's telling us that when we go and preach the gospel, when we go and preach the, the word of God to people, that these are the things we're going to encounter. We're going to encounter people that demon possessed. And it's our job to set them free. You don't see that too much in churches today. We've been doing it the past 20 years. And we're going to keep doing it till Jesus comes. When people have demonic activity in their life, we will set them free. We've been doing this for a long time. But he also goes on to say they will speak with new tongues. Meaning they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And with fire. In other words, we'll be a church that will be empowered not by some ministerial degree or some college courses. No, we're going to be empowered by God's Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what's going to happen. Then it says that they will pick up snakes with their hands. I don't think we will be doing this intentionally. But sometimes you might wind up with a snake in your hand. But it's not going to hurt you. Recorded in a book of Acts where the Apostle Paul was putting some firewood on a fire. There was on an island. There was cold and raining. There was putting wood on a fire. And when he did that, a viper snatched onto his hand and put some venom in him. And Paul just shook it off. It didn't hurt him at all. Then it says when we drink deadly poison, it could be by accident or somebody might be trying to kill us. It's not going to hurt us. Then it says we're going to encounter sick people. When we encounter sick people, what we're going to do is we're going to lay our hands on them. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith that they're going to get well. Now, Jesus was questioned by his disciples about end times, which we're closing in on now, which I touched somewhat last Sunday. But Jesus gives us more insight 
into the last days. In Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 29, it says, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, there will be distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen... Look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. We are witnessing right now some end-time symptoms. The Word of God is full of scriptures describing the conditions of the end times. There's a condition that the prophet Daniel, Daniel brought forth 600 years before Christ came about the end times. And it says this in Daniel 12, 4. The Lord said, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Many shall run to and fro, meaning travel. Travel is so fast today. I mean, you can, you can go anywhere in the world in hours where it used to take months and years to go. So we're seeing that travel is, is, is really rapid speed today. People are running to and fro. You get in your car, you're running everywhere. You're getting planes running everywhere. You're getting on boats running everywhere. People are going to and fro. That's the signs of the end time. It's moving faster and faster and faster. Knowledge shall increase. Knowledge is increasing faster and faster. It's been said that if you spend three or four years in college and you graduate today, that the first six months of your education that you receive is going to be obsolete. What you learned is not going to be any use for you anymore. As soon as you get to know how to use your, your cell phone or some device, some electrical device, by the time you get to learn it, you already got a new version out. There's always something else coming. But Jesus told his disciples that in the end times, nations would be in distress. Recently, COVID-19 opened my eyes to this because this is one time in my lifetime that something happened that actually put every nation on the entire earth in distress. Now, when we talk about nations, we're talking about people. People make up nations. That's what makes a nation. They will, they, then that will toss, there will be heavenly signs that will toss the oceans to and fro. These things will come upon the world. And it's going to cause terror. Now, Jesus mentioned three terrors. One is that people are going to be in distress. Number two, people will be perplexed. Number three, people will have fear. So I titled the message today, The Destroyer of Terror. Now, let's look at how Jesus ends this discourse with his disciples. He said, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption 
draws near. Thank God for verse 28. He says, look up, lift up your heads when things get bad. Lift up your heads. Look up, not down, look up. Christians shouldn't be walking around with their heads down and looking like there's no hope. That's how the world looks. That shouldn't be the way we look. I don't care what you're going through today. Your head should be up, not down. You should be looking up because your redemption draws near. I like the NIV, which says, stand up. Stand up and lift up your head. See, you're not going to be able to fight terror sitting down. Terror comes. You better be standing and you better be looking up. Why? Because our redemption draws near. Our rescuer is near. Our rescuer, the one who's going to save us, is near. Jesus made a promise to the church before he left and ascended into heaven in John chapter 14, verse 16. I hope I make it. Jesus said this, I will pray to Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I got that underlined there, that's the most uh, uh, fascinating scripture. The Lord told the disciples, the Holy Spirit has been with you, but soon to come, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is going to be in you. See, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, there are different translations of this Greek word parakletos, which is the Holy Spirit. The, the various translations, the King James says, he's going to give us another comforter. The NIV says another counselor. The New King James Version says a helper. The New Living Translation says an advocate, meaning an attorney. Somebody is going to represent you. In the Message Bible, it, it translates it friend. So these are really the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, which every born-again believer has received. See, the Holy Spirit is the destroyer of the triple terror. Whatever we have to face. Both now. And in the future. We're covered. We're covered. That's why it's so important as Christians to believe. That he who lives in us. Is greater than he who is in the world. He who lives in us. Is greater than any circumstance. That is in the world today. The triple terrors are active in the world today, in the lives of people on the earth. But the Holy Spirit is also at work. See, those terrors are at work, but the Holy Spirit is also at work right now in the lives of believers. Listen, people say, I, I quit watching the news. The news is terrible. I watch it. I don't care how terrible it gets. It's not going to take my peace away. It's not going to take my hope away. I watch it because I need to be informed. This was the Apostle Paul's experience with the three terrors. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. This is what Paul said. 
We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Paul said, bring it on. What, what, what are you going to do to me? You're not going to destroy me. See, Paul says, and that power is of God. It's not of us. It's of God. The power is the Holy Spirit. Paul said this in verse 7. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This is a precious yet striking verse. God's presence is a treasure, a precious and priceless treasure. And what it's in is placed in earthen vessels. Us. God actually enters our body. Let me tell you something. When I came to Christ, I felt something. Something was in me that wasn't in me before. And it was God's Holy Spirit. But actually, he enters these bodies, these bodies that we have that are like pottery, that's like earthly vessels made of clay. They're weak. They're worthless. They're corruptible. And they're perishable. All of that. And God will place his Holy Spirit in that, in us. Just imagine that. God's presence is placed in such earthly bodies. Weak. God's purpose for entering our bodies is to show one thing, his power. This is what separates the born again believer from people in the world. We have the power. This is what separates churches that grow from churches that fold up. And that's the power of God. This church is going to grow. Because it can't help but grow if the power of God's in this place. We welcome God's power. We pray for God's power. We enjoy God's power. We enjoy God's presence. Paul said that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We've got to know that there is something beyond us that dwells in us. And in his church. By allowing us to overcome weaknesses. Even death itself. These three terrors. The first terror. That is described here. Is distress. Anybody in distress today? Distress. Is the result of trouble. Psalm 34 19. I don't have this on there. I, I injected this this morning. At 5 o'clock. Psalm 34, 19, a righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Say all. 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 Now, I don't care what you came in here with today. If there's trouble, if you're in distress, God's going to deliver you out of that. Distress is this. Distress is an oppressive condition of physical or mental or social or economic distress. It is an exhausted condition. A state of extreme need. 
to be kept in a narrow, cramped place to be crushed. That's what distress is. Our greatest need in distress is comfort, right? When you're beat down and you're pressed, I need some comfort. And I'm not talking about southern comfort in a bottle. <laughs> or wine. Have you noticed how big the wine sections of the grocery stores are in lodging? Yes. Wine doesn't bring you comfort. It brings more headaches and pain. Proverbs 21 says, wine is a mocker. And beer, and I used to love beer, beer is a mocker. I mean, beer is a brawler. I used to want to brawl when I drank beer. want to fight. Even though I was small, I wanted to fight. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Now, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. I remember years ago when uh, uh, the first church I pioneered in River Ridge, we happened, I had an attorney get saved, a, a woman attorney, and uh, she got saved. And I don't know, I was preaching one day on wine and that stuff, and she came up to me after and said, well, Pastor, you know, uh, after a hard day's work, I, I go home and I, I just have to fix me one martini. I said, well, why do you do that? She says, I just need to feel comfort. So let me tell you something. God has already sent the comforter. It's the Holy Spirit of God. He'll place that Holy Spirit in you. You don't need to look any other place for comfort. When we are living in a day where professing Christians are leaning to wine, say, oh, there's nothing wrong with wine. Jesus drank wine. Let me tell you something. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know if the wine was fermented or not because the same word for wine could mean one or the other. I know people were getting drunk back then. And, and the Bible says drunkards ain't going to make it to heaven. And the only way you're going to get drunk is that you got to start drinking. Right? How do you get drunk? You got to pick it up. You got to drink it. Well, I only drink this much. Well, if I drank that much, it'd have to carry me out of here. I haven't touched the stuff in 50 years and won't touch it. Jesus said at the Last Supper that he told his disciples, I'm not going to drink this wine with you or eat this bread with you again until we do it in the kingdom. Jesus said he wasn't drinking it no more. I ain't drinking it no more. When I sit down at that, 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 that supper of the lamb, he serves it, I drink it. He serves it, I drink it. He said he ain't drinking it no more. I ain't drinking it no more. Until he drinks it. So we live in a day where professing Christians, I see it more and more, leaning to this means of comfort. They're becoming wine sippers. Don't be a sipper. Jesus never, never suggested alcohol to comfort us. He never suggested any other type of stimulant. There's other types. There's drugs. There's everything that you can juice yourself up with. But the word teaches us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. 
Look what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He said, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You want to end up in debauchery? Then start drinking wine or booze, whatever. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because if you're filled with the Spirit, you don't need any of that. You are comforted to the max. You, you, have, you have everything you need. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm going to send you another comforter. One that's going to be with you forever. He doesn't abandon us. He is a destroyer of terror or distress. And he gives us peace. Paul said, we are troubled on every side. But we're not distressed. Let the world bring on what they ever want to bring on. If God's people are full of his Holy Spirit, none of that is going to stress us out. We shouldn't be people that stressed out. We need to be people that are walking in the confidence of God's love and his mercy towards us. The second terror is perplexed. If you're perplexed here today, God's got something for you. Perplexed is to be bewildered or puzzled and entangled, seeing no way out. Believe it or not, that's what the world is out there. The world's out there, they don't know what's going on. They don't know how to even get out of what they're in. They don't know what the end of what they're in is. They are puzzled. They're trying to figure it out. Do I believe in evolution? What do I believe in? All of these things that the world is putting out down there, they're confusing. Their minds are blown out there. Perplexed is the people in the world without Christ because they can't figure out life. I know, I was there. I used to say, what in the world is it all about? What is it about? You get born, you die. What's what's the sense of anything? Until Christ comes into your life, you don't know what life is. Because Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Anybody who comes to me, he'll get to the Father. You're not going to get to heaven without me. So that tells you right there, I'm not puzzled anymore. I used to be puzzled. Fifty years ago, I found the answer. His name Jesus. He says, I'm going to show you the way out of here. That's what I want to know. I want to escape this place. That's what he came to do. When we feel trapped in our problem and we need direction, this is when we need a counselor. We need somebody to tell us it's going to be all right. I got the answer for you. That's the Holy Ghost. That's what he'll do. When Jesus was present here on earth with his disciples, he taught them. That's why they got so upset when he said he was leaving. He said, I'm going to be out of here, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send you another counselor who is going to be with you. And, and, but he said he's going to be with you. I like the word. It's going to be like him, exactly like him. The presence of God with us as a believer is as if we were walking with Jesus. If we walk close to God, the Holy Spirit will direct us just like Jesus would have directed us. He'll tell you, put that bottle down. Put that dope down. 
Put that pornography down. He'll tell you just as if Jesus was walking with you. That's when we need a counselor. He told them this, John 14, 16, I will ask the Father, he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. One who would lead and guide us into all truth. In these perplexing times, I want to tell you something. We need somebody to lead us. We need somebody to help make those decisions for us. We got to make decisions every day. I want to tell you something. You need to walk, be walking close to the, to the Lord and have the Holy Spirit in you. Because you got to make decisions every day. Where do I work? Where do I live? Where do I go to church? What I do? How I act? What, what I do and what I don't do? We need a counselor with us to walk in this world out here. Who knows what's to come? He does. We don't know what's coming. He does. That's why he's going to be able to lead us and guide us. Now, Paul said, we are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Meaning, we're not without hope. See, we were once without hope. Paul says that we were once not a people. We were once out there with no hope. But now we have hope. We were once like that. The third terror is fear. In verse 26, it said, Jesus said, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Men's hearts will be failing because of fear of what's coming on the earth. That's what's happening today. That's what the Lord showed me with the, the COVID-19 thing. I knew it was of the devil because you know what it did? It brought fear to everybody. Everybody, nobody want to walk outside. Nobody want to talk to anybody. Nobody want to go anywhere. And then the government was even putting more fear in you. You got to stay six feet apart. Don't have no gathering. You can't do that. Wear one mask, two masks, three masks. When we were building this place here, we needed some sheetrock mud. Me and my grandson, Joseph, remember that, Joseph? We walked in Home Depot. We, we, we knew where the stuff was. It was in a big aisle. We weren't going to be near anybody. We brought our cart in there. We started loading it up. And I turned around. They had a woman back there. She kept staring at us. We didn't have no masks on. She had a mask on. She kept staring at us. And I turned around and said, do you need to get here? She says, yes, but y'all don't have a mask on. So we backed up. So she could go get, she didn't get anything. She's just passing through there. And as she passed us, she says, I hope y'all die. Thank God I'm a Christian. <laughs> Hi, Joseph. And I really felt sorry for the woman because she's full of fear. See, when this thing came, I knew it was of the devil because it brought fear, even to the believer. Everybody was scared. Everybody, what do we do? What do we do? 
Oh, I got a cough. Do I have it? I don't have it. I got a headache. Do I have it? Do I have it? Must be preaching good. I'm getting hot. That's what's happening today. Wait, best is going to be yet to come. The economy's going to fall. We're going to have a financial crisis. There's going to be a food shortage. And this radical, ungodly government that we have right now, fear is going to come on people. They're telling you. You ain't going to be able to buy Christmas presents. Huh? Oh, oh, no Christmas presents. They're out, they're out in the ocean somewhere on a ship. You ain't going to get them. Everybody's, uh, what about toilet paper? We got to get some toilet paper. Fear's coming on. Fear. We don't need fear. We need faith. We need faith, which is the opposite of fear. Fear, faith causes fear to leave. See, let the fear come on this world out here, but that's not something we're going to do. I don't care where you're at. What, you might have just lost your job. Don't fear. No fear. Fear is not a part of us. God didn't give us that. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7 what he gave us. He says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. Okay? So if you got fear, that's not of God. It's coming from another place. Okay? It's coming from hell. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's given us the Holy Spirit of power. See, we've got power. We're not weaklings anymore. We have power. Then the Spirit of love. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get all hooked up in, in hate, hating the world. Hating all of this stuff. He's going to give us a sound mind. A sound mind is faith. See, when you got faith, you got a sound mind. I'm going to believe God. I don't have to figure my situation out. I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to have faith that God's going to work it out. I don't need the answer. He's got the answer. So how does the Spirit impart faith? Well, through the Word. Right here. Through the Word. You're hearing it preached. You need to read this. You need to be taught this. You need to put this in your heart and in your mind. Through experience. You get faith by believing what God says and seeing it come true. Then you say, oh, this thing works. This thing works. And you're not going to know it works until you try it. You're going to have to have faith. Then through answered prayer. Jesus said in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. You might be asking yourself, Pastor, what's our problem here? What's our problem? i tell you what the problem is. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul said, do not put out the Spirit's fire. We should all be burning with fire. We must live in the fire of God. Every day, every minute. See, churches are closing up every day. They got a lot of empty churches now. And you know how a lot of them closed up? Fear of COVID. 
Fear of COVID shut them down. That might be a good thing for us because we're going to be looking for another church building. But soon. We keep growing. We're going to be soon looking for it. But every day, churches are closing up because there's no fire. They put the fire out. They put the fire out with complacency. They're putting the fire out for, for, for just mediocrity. They're putting the fire out because they don't allow the spirit to move. You got some churches don't allow. We had a message, in, uh, uh, a prophecy that came forth. They don't allow that. You can't speak in tongues there. You can't do any of that. People say, we don't want this. They have certain services for that. You got to come on another night. If you want the gifts to move, you got to come on another night. No. Why? Who in the world is going to try to regulate the Holy Spirit? Oh, he can only work on Wednesday night. Sunday morning, no, we're going to do that because we don't know who's coming in here. We, we don't want to scare these people. Let me tell you, they need to be scared. They need to be scared. Professing Christians have fallen back because of sin. They put out the Spirit's fire. See, when we are distressed, there's comfort in the fire. I want to tell you something. When I go through trial, I want to, I want to be in the fire. Put me where God is. Put me where the Spirit of God is moving. And then my troubles don't seem so bad. I, I, I want to be warm. I want to feel that warmth of the fire. I'm going to look for it. As a believer, you need to look for it and expect it. Expect God to come in your situation. Expect it. Why? Because he promised it. When we are perplexed, there's a counsel in the fire. There's a way out. He'll tell you, I got a way out for you. So just, just hold on. I got a way out. When we are fearful, we must accept his power, his love, and a sound mind, which is the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says this. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, when terrors strike, we need to stand up. We need to look up. We need to lift up our heads. Because our redemption is drawing near. Our rescuer is here right now. So what terror is lurking at your door today? What is it? It could be sin. Fire could take care of that. It can burn that up. Are you in distress? Are you perplexed? Are you fearful? Are you sick? If you're here today and you have never, ever received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, this is the day. Today is your day. If you're in this place today, you have never committed your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you need to do it today. If not, you're going to face that world, the perplexity of the world, the despair that's in that world, the fear that's in that world, you're not going to be able to overcome it.